Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Church, cross-check is all about checking our relationship with God. How do you feel when you hear the word sacrifice? Maybe a little bit like Batman standing there on the cliff. Maybe a little bit like duty. You know, if it's just a job, then yeah, it can feel like duty, it can feel like discipline, but if it's somebody that you love, duty turns into delight. Here are some examples of things we love and how we make sacrifices for them. For those of you who believe that fitness is a worthy goal, you periodically endure sore muscles because you think fitness is worth it. Those of you who are good at saving money, you sacrifice wants and desires in the present because you believe there's another goal that is more worthwhile. For those of you who work hard as parents, you sacrifice sleep and leisure because you love your kids. For those of you pursuing a college degree, you spend long hours studying and reading and learning the discipline of learning because you believe that a college degree is worth it. For those of you who pay a mortgage, you work hard because you believe that having a home is worthwhile. When there's something or someone that you love, you're willing to sacrifice for them. Sacrifice is saying no to one thing for the purpose of saying yes to something better. In your relationship with God, sacrifice is saying no to lesser things in order to say yes to experiencing God. Cross-check is all about cross-checking our lives and letting go of lesser things because they don't even compare to the value of knowing and experiencing God. Cross-check. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you never take away anything without replacing it with something better. And Lord, there is nothing that compares to the great treasure of having you. Lord, I pray that you would check our hearts as we look into your word. And Father, help us align ourselves with you, Lord, so that we can experience you and join you in what you're doing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, Lawrence did an excellent job of highlighting the difference between selfishness and love. How many appreciated that message? Let's give Lawrence a hand. <laughs> As we explore the teachings of Jesus, I trust that we'll move closer to a life of love and sacrifice in the midst of a self-centered world. Sometimes we forget that following Jesus isn't easy. And today's message is entitled Hard Truth. Turn to your neighbor and say, truth can be hard. Sometimes Jesus said things that were hard, sometimes very hard. Can you recall something that Jesus said that is hard to live up to? I want you to think about that for a moment. Do you know anyone who stopped walking with God because they got hurt by someone in the church? 
Jesus role-modeled forgiveness. He role-modeled reconciliation. But sometimes people say, no, I'm not going to go there. And they stop walking with God. They stop following the way of Jesus. Do you know someone who stopped walking with God because they chose a relationship? Jesus said to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But some people are tempted to put a relationship before God. Those are just a couple examples. I think the most difficult statement that Jesus made that is hard to live out is the idea that, that he is number one and that we are to follow him. We've been singing that all morning long in these songs. And you know, there's something about when we enter into that place of proper relationship with God, it just feels right. You feel it in worship. And yet, when we go from here, there'll be experiences, there'll be circumstances, there'll be challenges out there in the rest of life. It can be very difficult to choose God's way first. Many people say putting God first, that's a hard pill to swallow. And so they walk away. And it was no different in Jesus' day. In John chapter 6, beginning in verse 56, uh, 66, says after this, and after this means after Jesus had said some difficult things, it says many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And this is right after Jesus fed the 5,000. And that was just counting the men. So if you, you include women and children, you're talking about a large crowd, 5,000 plus. And he had shared some difficult teachings, and it says right after this, those who were following him, many left. And so he turned to the 12 disciples. And Jesus said, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Out of this passage, one of the two points that I'd like to make today is a life of sacrifice means no turning back. Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You know, years ago, uh, Terry and I were living in Idaho, and uh, we were attending a church there, and uh, there was a woman in the church, single mom. She uh, lived in a home that was literally falling apart, and uh, the floor wasn't even safe to walk on. And so a group of men got together, and they were going there to um, just redo the whole thing. We're putting in a new floor. And so I got invited to join them. And so there's three of us working inside this little home. And one of the guys that was with me, he is a youth pastor. And so he st we started getting to know each other, and he found out that I'd been a pastor on Guam. And then at some point he said, did you ever think about quitting? And after this awkward silence, I said, yes. And the third guy that was with us said, wow, dude, what kind of question is that? <laughs> he said, you could apply that to anything, parenting, your job, whatever personal disciplines that you're trying to accomplish. And that kind of broke the ice and made it lighter. But then he started sharing some of his own struggles and his thoughts um, as a youth pastor. And so I just encouraged him. 
Have you ever felt like quitting your job? Ever felt like marriage or a relationship was just a big, big challenge? Some financial situation? We, we stood here this morning at the altar trusting God for healing. You ever just feel like, Lord, where's my hope? Where's my faith? Have you ever had something Jesus said and you thought to yourself, you know what? That doesn't make sense to me. For example, why should I forgive that person that hurt me? That's a tough one. Why should I honor um, a certain leader? Just because they're in a position? That's a tough one to honor authority. Could be my parents, could be my boss, a teacher I don't like, a leader in government who belongs to the other political party that I don't like. You know, there is a point in which, in our journey with God, that we have to make a choice, we have to make a decision about whether or not we're going to trust him and that what he says about how to do life works best. You know, an example of somebody who knew the value of not turning back was Cortez. He was an early Spanish explorer who landed in South America, and he got his troops on land, and according to history, Cortez burned his ships. And his point was, his soldiers will be well motivated to know that there is no turning back. There's no, there's no going back to the old world. We're in the new world, and we're going to stay here, and we're going to fight and do whatever we have to succeed. My point is this. There are points in our journey of walking with God where we need to burn our ships, so to speak, that give us a, way, a back door back to the old life, back to the old world, and say, Lord, I'm shutting that door. I'm not going there anymore. There's only one way in this journey, and it's with you. And that was the question that Jesus was asking Peter. Are you too going to go away? You know, sometimes making that choice can be difficult. There may be certain people that you need to change your relationship. Some people that maybe you shouldn't be hanging out with and participating in what it is that they're doing. Those are tough choices. You can deal with their judgment. Like, who are you? You think you're better than us? That's a common response. Or if they're offended, just to have to deal with the rejection. Rejection is hard. But a life of sacrifice to following Jesus means that there's no turning back. Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And like Peter, when we have come to know Jesus... We choose him above other options that the world offers us. And there are obvious choices that may come to mind. These are things that you consider wrong just by your own standards. There are things, you, you know what, that's bad. I, I would not do that. And so those things are easier to identify, to say, yeah, I'm going to put those away in order to follow Jesus. 
But there is one area that sneaks under the radar and creeps into our life and goes undetected. And it is the need to understand first, to understand how it's all going to work out and what's going to happen before I decide that I'm going to trust God or I'm going to follow Jesus. I want some kind of guarantee before I commit. Notice what Peter said in John chapter 6. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And notice this part. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, I want you to think about that part highlighted in orange for a moment. We have believed and have come to know. Now, that's an interesting way that Peter puts that. Because if you think about it, it seems backward, doesn't it? I mean, normally, wouldn't you expect a person to say that we have come to know and therefore believe? That would be the logical way to say that. But Peter says, we have come to believe and therefore know that you are the Holy One of God. That seemingly backward pattern is found elsewhere in Scripture. I'll give you an example in the story of Moses. You know the story. Moses saw the burning bush. He turned aside to go and see what's happening. And the Lord begins to reveal to him his plan to deliver the people of Israel from Egypt. And as you know, Moses is having all kinds of doubts about himself, what's going to be the success rate. That whole thing we talked about, I need to know, I need to understand first, I need a guarantee before I commit. And so he's having this conversation, and the Lord's getting frustrated with him. <laughs> he's given him all kinds of proof about how this is going to work. He's told him what's going to happen, and yet Moses is still having doubts. And so in the end of that conversation, Moses says, Lord, just be straight with me, okay? How will I really know that this is you and that what you're saying is going to happen? And God's answer is in Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. He said, I will certainly, we can go to the next slide. I will certainly be with you. Oh, you're already there. Thank you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Now, did you catch the order of events? God said, after you have believed and obeyed me, meaning you went to Egypt, the Lord says, you will eventually come back with all the people back here to Mount Sinai where you will worship me and serve me. Now, you would think that evidence should occur before I choose to believe and obey. But God says, here's how you'll know that all this is real. After you have believed and obeyed, then you will see the proof. And this is so different from our natural thinking, from our natural tendency. And you know, the people in Jesus' day, they were no different than we are. I'll just read this to you. It's not up on the slide, but John chapter 6, verse 30. The people said, 
Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. Show us what you can do. Faith, on the other hand, is believing and then seeing the result. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And I, I want to make something clear. It's not believing in nothing or just believing out of the blue, but it's believing what God has said. The Lord met Moses. The Lord was speaking to Moses. The Lord was very clear to him. Moses just wanted some guarantee. He wanted some assurance first. And there are times when you know that God is speaking to you. It might be through his word. Most of the time it is. It could be through a circumstance. It could be through another person. It could be through a podcast that you're listening to, the words of the song. It could be through your kids. And you know that the Lord is speaking to you to think or to act in a certain way. And at that point, we have a choice to make. Am I going to follow and see that what God is saying works better? So often I want to understand before I will accept. But what if God says something I don't understand? What if the Lord is leading you to something? You don't know what the end result is really going to be. How is it going to work? What's it going to look like? And so the big question really is, what takes precedence? My understanding or what God says? You know, somebody... Yeah, I'll just stop there. What takes precedence? My understanding or what God says? A life of sacrifice means choosing God over everything else. Everything else, even if everything else includes whether or not I fully understand how it's all going to work out. The theme for this whole year is great faith. We started that out in the series before this. Faith is trusting that God knows what he's talking about, even if I don't get it yet. Does that sound a little shaky, a little sketchy, maybe even a little crazy? There are lots of things the disciples didn't understand at first, but after the resurrection, after receiving the Holy Spirit, after further revelation that God had given, later they were like, oh, now it makes sense. Now I understand what Jesus was saying. You know, I'm reminded of parents who are trying to explain to their kids about the way life works. And, you know, especially teenagers, you know, they get to a stage where they know more than their parents do. <laughs> and it's difficult for them to be teachable and to hear and to respond in a good, healthy way. You know, it might be 10 or 20 or 30 years later down the road when they look back in hindsight and go, oh, that's what mom and dad were talking about. <laughs> I get it now. My point is this. When we're teachable, that is knowing that we don't know everything. You know, the more you know, the more you know you don't know. You know, when you're teachable and you know you don't know everything, um, it's not so crazy to trust, to trust someone who knows more than you, especially if that person loves you like you cannot imagine. 
sometimes we can feel like we're alone in this journey of trusting. I hear stories all the time of people going through difficulty. And, you know, unless you're a part of a life group or have some close friends that you feel comfortable with that you can talk to, sometimes people are going through these decisions, they're going through these challenges all by themselves. And I want to encourage you, you're not alone. Uh, just look around this room here today. Just take a moment and look around. Um, there are all these people, and, this, and this, is just, this is just our church. The kingdom of God is so much bigger than us. There are many people in that journey of faith going through that same challenge of learning to trust God. We went through that whole series, Great Faith, and looked at Hebrews chapter 11 and the great cloud of witnesses, and we looked at individual lives of people who lived great faith, and we looked at entire groups of people. And the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, he begins by saying, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us run with endurance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You know, it's one thing to look into the Bible and see examples, but I want you to know there are many examples here today in the present. Of the people, I just encourage you to look around, but I also want you to know that just in the every nation family of churches, there is so much that God is doing. And I want to show you just a brief video clip. It's just like two, three minutes long. And just to encourage you to see that there are many other people who are putting God first, uh, putting him before everything else. And I just want you to um, see what's happening around the world. So tech team, if you could go ahead and play that video. On, uh, in the global scheme of things is not alone. Our churches all over the world are working together to reach every nation. A life of sacrifice means no turning back. You can go to the next slide. Have you decided to walk with Jesus for the rest of your life? A life of sacrifice means choosing God over everything else. How can you grow deeper in knowing, believing, and living the word of God? And what is one thing that you can start doing today? I'd like us to take a moment just to turn our attention toward God and to think about these questions and allow the Lord to prompt us, to guide us, to put his thoughts, give us his heart and mind. And so let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, thank you that you have brought us from an old life and brought us into a new life transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And Father, these sacrifices that we face are really adjustments along the way, along the journey to synchronize with you, to align ourselves with what you're doing in us and around us, in us and through us. Father, I pray that we would come back to the simplicity of a love relationship with you. 
Lord, like you said, the church is a picture of marriage. Marriage is a picture of the church. Lord, where there is love, it's not a sacrifice to go out of our way, but an opportunity to show how much we care. Lord, I thank you for simplifying what life is all about. You said it clearly, to love you with all our heart, mind, and soul. God, I ask that it be your love revealed to us and experienced by us that allows us to make the adjustments to respond to you in the same way. And so if you would take some time right now, just between you and God, in the silence of your heart, in the privacy of your heart, and just say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? And allow the Lord to bring to your mind anything that he wants to pinpoint. something to mind, something has surfaced in your heart. I just want to give you a few more moments to respond. I want to encourage you to respond in faith. Say, yes, God, I want to trust you with this. talk about a relationship with God and that's something that's been on your mind lately in fact the reason that you're here today is because you're sensing, you're realizing that a relationship with God is something that that you want, that you need and if that describes you, I want to give you an opportunity to take the next step in this, in this drawing, in this awareness that God is doing in you Perhaps you sense he's been getting your attention recently. That's why you're here today. And if you've never made a formal decision to invite God into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. It's real simple. It's just you making the choice to choose him, to invite him to be in your life, and then expressing that. 
language is what we call prayer. So in a moment, I'll pray out loud. And I invite you to pray along with me. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And so if that describes you, um, I'd like you to look up. And when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if that's you, go ahead and look up at this time. And then we'll pray together in a moment. Okay, I see you there. Anybody else? raise your hand real quick. I don't want to miss anybody. Okay, let's pray. God, I sense that you've been getting my attention recently, and that's why I'm here today. And I'm making a decision to say yes. I'm making a decision to open up to you because I want to experience you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know so I invite you to come into my life and I ask you to forgive me for things I've done that have been hurtful to myself or to others I thank you for Jesus and what he did for me on the cross dying in my place paying the penalty for me so I could be forgiven and so today I receive your spirit of forgiveness I receive Jesus into my life you to forgive me. If you're praying this prayer right now, just go ahead and take a moment by faith to let him come in and forgive you and remove any guilt, any self-condemnation. This moment he's been waiting for, for you to experience him and his great love. Jesus' name. Amen.